Welcome to the Table for One podcast, a podcast for those of you who are cooking for one. You'll find interviews with people who are cooking for one, nutrition tips, cooking tricks, and other practical topics for all my single listeners, and all without the mention of dieting or restriction because, well, dieting just kind of sucks. So join me as I explore the realities, the challenges, and highlight the joys of cooking for one in this busy world. So excited to share today's episode. I had the pleasure of talking with Beth of Budget Bites. It's such an awesome blog. She's got so many fantastic, helpful tips. And I'm just going to let her introduce herself. So I'm Beth, the creator behind Budget Bites, which is a food blog that focuses on how to um, cook delicious food on a small budget. And I also focus quite a bit on teaching people basic cooking skills so they're less dependent on the food service industry or packaged foods. Because once you know how to make food for yourself, it opens up a lot of freedom in your budget and your diet and your health. That's great. Thank you so much. Okay, so now this is the real start of it. Beth, <laughs> thanks so much for joining me. I am so honored to have you on today. I love your website and there I I surveyed a lot of the people that I work with and hands down the most the website that was brought up the most or the resource for cooking was Budget Bites. So this is obviously something that my audience, you know, would be excited about and they love your website. So thank you well, so much. Well, that's so cool. Thank yeah. you for having me. Yeah. So I like to start out by asking about food and eating at your house growing up. Tell me a little bit about what that was like. Yeah, I think um, the food in my house growing up was very influential um, to bringing me where I am today. I grew up in a big family. There were seven of us, um, and we didn't have a lot of money, so my mom was always cooking. We never really got fast food or, you know, our school lunches. I never got – and I just learned that really simple food was not only delicious but inexpensive. Oh, yeah, that's such a great lesson. And I, my growing up was similar to that, too. Like, <laughs> I don't remember ever going through a drive through growing up. And my mom did and even more now always says, like, you know, I can make it better at home, which she's a great cook. So th that's yeah. true most of the time. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I don't even see that as real food, you know, because it's just so different than than actual food, you know, it tastes different. It, the textures are different. Everything is different. Yeah. And, and the thing is too, I think just with marketing and there's so many aspects to it, but a lot of times it doesn't taste as good as you would expect it to either, which is disappointing. And then, um, I mean, there's a lot that goes on there too, but yeah, I, I agree. I think that's, it's, it's, it's good. I think we're lucky in the fact that we both grew up in houses where cooking was a big part of things and, yeah. and it makes it easier to cook. And I think it, at least for me, and I, I, I don't, I hope I'm not putting words in your mouth, but it instilled <laughs> a love of cooking for myself. Yeah. And the other cool part of it was I got to watch my mom express her artistic side through cooking. Mm -hmm. It's like she knew she had to do it anyway. So she would get creative in the kitchen to make it more enjoyable for herself. So I got to see how it's not just a chore. You can actually have fun with it. Um, and that was really important too. 
Yeah, yeah. And I and I'm glad well, I'm glad that we're talking for a number of reasons, but in your introduction you talked about um how, you know, like teaching people the basics. And a lot of times when I talk to people, they like the creativity is so they don't get to experience that because of, you know, being a little bit um, reluctant to go there or to not knowing how to go there. So do you have any tips about, you know, kind of, I don't know, merging the gap between learning and, and then getting creative or getting creative? Um, I think it's really just something that comes with time. So once you get comfortable with the basics, you you start to understand the food and the flavors more. So I think naturally you just get more comfortable with saying, oh, well, I don't have this spice for this recipe. Maybe I'll substitute this other one that I have on hand. Or I don't have this vegetable, but I do have some leftovers of this. Um, and, you know, maybe I'll try that out and see how it goes. So I think you, you just build confidence after you get those basic skills. And then, like, in my recipes, I try to include – some other ideas for people just in case they don't have the exact ingredients on hand. Um, and I think just reading that stuff too can help people get a little bit more confident with experimenting. Yeah. Cause I think for a lot of people, it's just a foreign concept. And, and then for others, for the two of us, it's kind of, you know, like, I don't know the last time that I followed a recipe to a T because <laughs> I don't want to yeah, buy that uh, one ingredient that I don't have or, you know, or I just, I can't, I just can't follow Yeah, it's up. just that confidence that comes with time. It's like, you know, when you first learn to ride a bike, you're terrified, but you yeah. know, if you ride a bike every day for 10 years, you're going to be like jumping off of curbs and, you know, stuff like that. It's true. Yeah, that's a good analogy. Well, and the thing is too, I think it's, it, I've had this conversation with other people, but it can be so terrifying to have, you know, recipes that don't turn out. And, you know, for me, I'm nerve, I'm nervous because I don't want to waste that time cooking and also don't want to waste that food because the thought of throwing food away when you're already cooking for one and it's hard to use up ingredients, it's, you know, I mean, it's not the end of the world, but it's not ideal. And I think we kind of take that to the extreme. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, that's even more scary, you know, when you're working with a really limited budget. Um, And I actually kind of wrote an article about that. Um, And it's called 10 Tips for Recipe Success, because I think there's a a very big misconception with new cooks where they think if they follow a recipe to a T, it's guaranteed to work out like it's a mathematical formula. But it couldn't be further from the truth. (laughs) There are so many variables when you're cooking that cannot be written into a recipe. Um, Like every stovetop is different. Every piece of cookware is going to react different. Every ingredient or brand is going to be different. So um, it's really important for people to understand that cooking is an art form and it's something where you have to use all of your senses and um, kind of build that cooking intuition. So you are going to have failures and you learn from those failures. That's what helps you understand how to. um, So it's really important that people know that it's not going to turn out perfectly the first time, probably. I mean, it doesn't even turn out perfectly for me the first time when I follow a recipe sometimes. So it it takes time and learning, but it's when you do learn and you start to understand it better, that's something you can be proud of. That's so true. Thank you for sharing that. And I think, I think that's, that would be super helpful for people because it can be intimidating to, you know, yeah, especially if they've had lots of recipes that didn't turn out and then, you know, Mm -hmm. they think that, that they just can't cook. But like you said, it could be ingredients. It could be equipment. There's so many other factors. 
Yeah. I mean, it's, it's sometimes when you cook a recipe, it's different every single time you make it. So. Yeah. Even when <laughs> yeah. you are actually following it, which I wouldn't exactly. know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so speaking of recipes and ingredients, what, what are some of your favorite budget ingredients that are always on your shopping list? And then how would you recommend adjusting that for people cooking for one? Um, so some of the things that I'm constantly buying are just like dry grains, like whether it be rice or um, quinoa, things like that, because those are tend to be the base of my meal. Mm-hmm. Um, they're usually the least expensive ingredient. They're shelf stable. So it's just good to always have them on hand yeah. and you can use them in a hundred different ways. So I always buy things like that. Um, I buy beans a lot. Um, I tend to buy canned beans just because it's quick and easy and I'm so busy these days that I don't cook them from dry very often anymore, but that's definitely a a great budget option if you have time. Um, And then I always buy cilantro, parsley, and green onions (laughs) pretty much every week. I find that those three things add a lot of flavor to whatever I'm cooking Um, and all three of them are pretty inexpensive, so I like to always have those on hand to kind of zhuzh things up. Yeah, for sure. And I, you know, Ina Garten, I just love her and she always uses fresh herbs and those are really easy to find common ones. Yeah. And the least expensive, because if you're buying fresh basil and things that can get kind of pricey, but totally cilantro, parsley, green onions, always very cheap. And then as far as cooking for one, I actually don't do anything different. Um, the only difference is I eat my leftovers for more days than if I was cooking for two to four people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Which, which is, it's interesting because there are some people who love that. And then there's others who that's enough to make them not want to cook at all. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's really important for people to kind of get comfortable with leftovers because it's just not practical uh, for your budget or your time to cook fresh every single night. I mean, if you have yeah. the time and money to do that, great. But if you are trying to stay within a budget and you're a busy person, you got to get comfortable with leftovers. And I mean, a lot of dishes are better the second night. So, you know, I think it's people in our culture are really obsessed with fresh because that word is thrown at us everywhere. Um, But what they don't realize is a lot of the things that they're eating from restaurants and things, too, are also batch cooked. Yeah. (laughs) just because it comes out hot in your plate doesn't mean it's not, you know, wasn't made the day before. <laughs> That's a good point. Well, and too, at least on, on my, on my website, I try to include ways to like repurpose those ingredients. Cause I think sometimes for people it's about eating the exact same thing over and over again. And unless yeah. it's like amazing and you, you know, I mean, you just like, don't ever want to stop eating it. Then yeah. it's hard to continue <laughs> to eat that for multiple days. So, right. I mean, the thing is there's just so many, ways around or to like work within the constraints of leftovers whether that's you know the easiest way is to just reheat the exact same thing or you can you know maybe you made pork or whatever and then can use it in tacos and a salad or you know like different recipes that way so yeah yeah and I'm always encouraging people to find those recipes that they love so much that the fourth day when they eat that last serving they're sad (laughs) you know what I mean I think that's really key is to find those all-star recipes that you were just in love with. And then another thing I do too is I, uh, for all my freezer friendly recipes, I'll mm-hmm. freeze a couple portions. So I have like a rotating stock of different stuff in the freezer that I can take out and, you know, reheat to kind of break up the monotony of whatever leftovers I'm eating that week. Yeah. Yeah. Such a good point. And that's, you know, takes 
opening up a cupboard and, you know, getting out Tupperware or something and putting it in there and then in the fridge or the freezer and then taking that out. So that's not a whole lot of extra steps. Right. Yeah. So I actually wanted to go back to your, um, your tip about the fresh herbs. So are there ways to use those that are not like your typical, typical ways? Cause at least for me, I have a hard time using up a whole bunch of parsley and cilantro and, um, especially green onions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not sure what would be considered typical cause I just use them so often. Um, I put them on top of whatever I'm eating. Um, and okay. then I also, I have a, a scallion herb cream cheese spread that I like to make sometimes um, to use up the leftovers. I like to put them all, all three of them in hummus. Um, so that's a really great way to use it. And then, um, I do things like a a chickpea salad, which is kind of like, um, kind of like tuna salad, but made with chickpeas and you can put all three of them in there. Um, but you know, I, I rarely use up the whole bunch of those two. And I think the thing to remember is that, it's not an all or nothing thing using up your leftovers. Like don't beat yourself down if you don't use every single green onion the last few. Um, because the money that you're you're not that you're I guess wasting with those last few green onions is so small compared to how much you're saving by cooking at home. <laughs> you know? It's like you have to look at the big picture. So yeah, you might not use up all your green onions, but uh in the grand scheme of things, that is a really small loss. That's a good point. I think I can I find myself getting into that mindset where I'm like, you know, trying to reduce food waste, use up what I've got, save money that way, all of those things. And it's either like, oh, you use one green onion or you use them all. And yeah, you're right. Even and the same thing goes if if you have just a little bit of leftover whatever from like you didn't eat or you're just tired of it it's okay to throw that away and it's it's still you know I mean it's kind of you know like it's an all or nothing thinking and when I'm working with clients as a dietitian like that's not helpful and and I think it's easy to kind of get into that mindset with this and that still is not very helpful yeah I think the important thing is to remember that if you're making an effort that is a positive thing every little bit of effort counts. And I heard a really great saying once, and it was, we don't need a hundred people doing this perfectly. We need a hundred thousand people doing it imperfectly. And that was in regards to reducing food waste. So every, every effort that you put in makes a difference. It doesn't matter if you're not a hundred percent successful with it. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good way to look at it. I like that. Um, so tell me a little bit about money saving hacks in the kitchen. Do you have any that are helpful for cooking for one? Um, I think the, the best thing is really getting comfortable with those leftovers. Like I was talking before use of that freezer. I mean, there's so many more ingredients that you can freeze to save, um, instead of throwing them out than you'd realize. Um, so I freeze all sorts of leftover ingredients. I, I, freeze cheese, I freeze tomato paste, I freeze pretty much all my baked goods because for one, I can't, you know, eat a whole loaf of bread myself before it gets moldy and gross. So I keep all my bread in the freezer and I just take, you know, a slice or two out at a time and toast them. Um, Yeah. And then I think the other really, really important thing is to constantly shop your pantry, refrigerator and freezer before you go to the store. Because it's so easy to think that you don't have an ingredient and then go buy more. 
um, or just forget that you have something in general and then it ends up going bad because, you know, it was just in your refrigerator forever. So constantly take stock of what you have on hand, build your weekly menu based on that, um, and make sure that you don't buy it, um, again, when you go to the store, cause you already have it. Yeah. I think that's such a great tip because yeah, I, I mean, thinking of the way that my mom cooks versus how I cook, it's, neither good nor bad. I keep trying to remind myself that because I feel like my way is obviously better. <laughs> but um, that's one thing that I really try to do because, and the outcome of that, with the exception of her cooking for two people and sometimes four people versus one, is that I can see everything in my fridge <laughs> most of the time. And that makes yeah. things a lot easier and it's like less overwhelming and, and that's helpful on, you know, kind of a side note. So you did, okay, I remember listening to you talking on a podcast and you talked about how you freeze citrus. Could you share that here? I think that's so brilliant. Yeah, so one of the ingredients that I've really come to love in cooking is fresh citrus. Um, you know, when I started out cooking, I was just using bottled lemon juice because it lasts forever in your fridge. Mm -hmm. But then I started experimenting with lemon zest and it was just so flavorful. You add a little bit and it completely changes your meal, right? You get that really strong lemony or lime flavor if you're using lime zest without the sourness that comes with the juice. Um, but the problem is you buy one lemon and it's going to be like 75 cents. If you buy a whole bag of lemons, it's like 250 for, you know, six lemons. Um, so you really save a lot by buying a whole bag, but who can use up a whole bag of limes or lemons within a week or two, whenever, you know, however long it takes them to, um, shrivel up and get gross. Yeah. So, um, oh, I'll tell you how I, I figured this out too. Um, oh, yeah. one of my friends from college had a lemon tree and she brought me a whole bag of them and I was like so floored. I'm like, Oh, this is awesome. But what am I going to do with these? And she's like, you can just freeze them. I was like, what? Put the whole thing in the freezer. So when you freeze a lemon or lime or even oranges, I guess if you want to, although those might take up too much room in your freezer, <laughs> yeah. um, you can use them later for zesting and juicing. So just like any other piece of produce, when you freeze it, it will get soft after you thaw it because the little ice crystals are like cutting through the, um, the cell walls in, in the, fruit or vegetable. So it's not going to be pretty for slicing or um, making wedges, but um, you can zest the lemon or lime while it's still frozen, which makes it super easy to zest. And then you can thaw it either at room temperature or by microwaving like 15 seconds. And then it's super easy to juice because all of those little fibers in there are already broken from the ice crystals. So um, you can keep your lemons and limes on hand all the time in your freezer. So you can always have that great fresh flavor without having to spend a dollar a pop on a, a lemon. That's such a great tip. And I, after I heard that, I ran over and threw some limes right in the freezer. And, um, and yeah, it, it is. It's just so much easier. And you don't waste those because they get to that point where they're like just a little bit past looking good, but they're still usable to hard as a rock pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> like you're not getting any juice out of that thing. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's so awesome. Thank you for sharing. Okay. My last question for you is what are your favorite base recipes? Like the ones that you have in your back pocket and adjust, you know, to use up what you've got on hand. Um, so my number one base recipe is a bowl meal. 
And all that means is I'm putting whatever I have in my refrigerator into a bowl and I'm eating it. <laughs> so <laughs> I, um, I usually start off with some type of grain as a base. If you're trying to do like a lower carb, you could always do a green or like cabbage or spinach or whatever as your base. I add in whatever vegetables I happen to have. Sometimes I saute them first. Sometimes I just add them in there fresh. Um, great way to use up your random leftover vegetables. And then um, whatever protein I might have on hand, whether I roasted some meat that week or I've got a can of chickpeas or, you know, maybe I have some tempeh in the fridge. So I add that and then um, maybe some cheese if I've got some leftover cheese and whatever sauce I like. So sometimes that's sriracha. Sometimes I use homemade hummus as the quote sauce. Um, sometimes it's mashed avocado. So you can really do so many different things with a bowl meal. And it's just like the perfect thing for the last few days of the week when you're already tired, you don't want to think about cooking, and you've got these leftover ingredients that you want to use up before you go shopping. Um, that's my favorite go-to meal. That's great. And it's going to turn out different every single time, so that won't get boring. <laughs> yeah, and it's a great way to experiment, too, with those flavor combos and get confident like we were talking earlier. Oh, yeah, that's a, I didn't really think of it that way. So, yeah, like or using the ingredients that you've got on hand, like focusing on using those and experimenting that way. That's it's kind of a lower um, th like I feel like there's not as much to lose in that situation <laughs> than if you were like cooking, cooking, you know? Yeah. I think and I mean, some idea. of my most favorite meals have come out of experimenting like that, just throwing together what I had left over and you make this amazing flavor combination that you would have never thought of before. So I think it's a really good exercise for people to do. I totally agree. It blows my mind sometimes and I'm not, not because I'm like some brilliant flavor comp, like <laughs> able to come up with such great flavors, but it's just kind of, yeah, like taking the stress and you're like, taking your brain out of the equation sometimes can lead to great, <laughs> some great yeah, outcomes, yeah. I guess. Do you have any, any flavor combinations that you found through doing that, that you absolutely love now, or, or were those the ones that you shared? Um, I know I have, because I know that every time it happens, I write about it in recipe. <laughs> like I discovered <laughs> this just by accident. Yeah. But I can't, unfortunately I can't think of them up on the top of my head. <laughs> That's okay. No, no, you're totally fine. I'm the same way. Okay. This has been super interesting and so fun to chat with you. Is there anything else that you wanted to share? Um, about, yeah, like saving money, cooking and just making it easy. Yeah, I, you know, I just really want to encourage people to not be scared. Start small. You don't have to start by cooking dinner every night of the week. Just try one recipe and see how it goes. And once you get comfortable with that, add a second recipe per week. So I think it's really important to overcome that fear by starting small and just increasing as you get more comfortable. Awesome. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. Thanks. It was fun. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Table for One podcast with Rebecca. If you're cooking for one or know somebody who is, make sure to subscribe to the Table for One podcast on your favorite podcast app. That way you can stay up to date on new episodes that will help you make cooking for one easier and more enjoyable. Feel free to continue the conversation over at in the Table for One Facebook group. You can also find recipes or work with Rebecca over at nourishnutritionblog.com. Or honestly, the easiest way is to follow me on Instagram. My handle is nourishnutrico, 
And you can click on the link of my profile to get more great resources for cooking for one. Talk to you next week. Thank you.